the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Monday, November the 25th, 2019, in the year of our Lord. Today on November 25, 1986, the Iran-Contra affair erupted. It was on the news nonstop live. President Ronald Reagan and Attorney General Edwin Meese revealed that they had sent the profits from secret arms sales to Iran to the Nicaraguan rebels, the freedom fighters. You'll recall Ollie North became involved in that in that whole mess, and Ollie got hurt, as a matter of fact, but he moved on with his life. Today in 1783, the British evacuated New York during the Revolutionary War. They said, we've had enough. We thought we could run over these colonists and straighten them out, but it didn't work out that way. Today in 1915, a new version of the Ku Klux Klan it targeted blacks, Jews, Catholics, and immigrants. It was formerly founded by William Joseph Simons, or Simmons. Today, in 1947, uh, movie studio executives were meeting in New York. They agreed to blacklist certain Hollywood actors because they had been cited for contempt of Congress the day before. Boy, how things have changed in Hollywood. And the Congress. Today, in 1961, the first nuclear-powered aircraft carrier, USS Enterprise, it was commissioned. Today, in 1963, the body of President John F. Kennedy was laid to rest at Arlington National Cemetery. His widow, Jacqueline, she lighted the eternal flame at the gravesite. And today, in 2002, President George W. Bush signed legislation creating a uh, a new department, the Department of Homeland Security. He pointed Tom Ridge to be its head. Tom is or was a Republican, but turned out to be pretty liberal in my mind, at least. That's what I recall about Tom Ridge. And finally, today in 1990, after a week of high winds, blowing, gusting, sideways rain, the Lacey v. Murrow Bridge, Lake Washington Floating Bridge in Seattle, broke apart, and sunk. It was later discovered that the hatchways into the concrete pontoon air pockets were left open, allowing water to enter. 50-year-old bridge (laughs) went to the bottom of the lake. It was being renovated. The sinking, I mean, to make matters worse for the people who left the pontoon hatches open, the sinking was all captured on film, and it was showing it over and over and over again on live TV. It was quite remarkable to see it. I remember it well, watching it on TV. The rebuilt bridge, which is now in service, opened in 1993. I thought this would happen. I was pretty sure it would. LGBTQ groups and activists are offering only faint praise for Chick-fil-A's decision to halt funding for two faith-based groups. They're saying the company has to do much more to win their support. (laughs) Chick-fil-A still isn't LGBTQ friendly, 
despite their pledge on donations, read a, read a uh, headline in the website of The Advocate, which is a major gay news outlet. It's widely read. The Human Rights Campaign, HRC, is the nation's largest homosexual, bisexual, queer, all of those identities. I, I don't even know all of them anymore. Anyway, they said that the change in donation strategy is only a small part of what Chick-fil-A needs to do. At HRC, we always encourage companies to ensure that their giving is in line with LGBTQ inclusive values. Beck Bailey is the director of the Workplace Equality at HRC. He told The Advocate, he said, while this is an important step for Chick-fil-A, the company still does not have workplace protections and policies that are in um, fully inclusive, and on and on and on. But the advocate noted that Chick-fil-A does not explicitly include sexual orientation and gender identity <clears throat> Excuse me, in its anti-discrimination policy. And GLAD, another gay rights group, they're urging Chick-fil-A to do more. They said, good is more. <laughs> oh, man. Chick-fil-A has hired, I mentioned this on Friday, I just discovered it on Friday, but I'll mention it again in case you missed this. I think it's important to know this in regards to this Chick-fil-A better. Christians have supported Chick-fil-A so strongly for so many years. I mean, evangelicals, they've made them enormously successful. Now, not everybody that goes to Chick-fil-A is a Christian. I understand that. But the Christian base has been so supportive of these guys. And Truett, um, who, who started... Truett Cathy, who started Chick-fil-A, and now his son has taken over, um, he was so committed to the Christian community and Christian values and marriage and sanctity of life and and one man and one woman. and I mean, he was an evangelical through and through. I don't know what's going through his son's head, but here's what I do know. Chick-fil-A has hired this new PR firm. It's called Navigator. It's a very, very large PR firm in Canada. It's based in Toronto. Most... It's the most, according to Christians in Canada, uh, I mean public leaders, Christian leaders, Navigator is the most homosexual friendly firm in all of the country, in all of Canada. And they have hired them, Chick fil A has hired them to guide them as they expand into Canada. Man, you can fill in the rest of the blanks. I don't have to explain that one to you. You know. It's good. The Bible says it's good to seek counsel, but man, we got to be sure who we're seeking counsel from. I mean, counsel in and of itself is not helpful unless it's godly counsel coming from a godly biblical perspective, whether it's business or our personal lives. I've seen more people as a pastor, I've seen more people's lives hit the wall because they were getting bad counseling. Somebody felt like God wanted them to tell somebody that they should do this, not that, or whatever. And I know there's a lot of well-intention, and I believe in, you know, in cohorts and all of that, but we need to be very, very careful when we seek counsel. Now, this is, I it should be a given. I mean, even I would be smart enough to probably not hire Navigator because I would kind of know that they don't agree with what I believe would be certainly happy to live for and willing to die for the Christian faith, biblical Christianity. But biblical Christianity is under attack. Why in the world the Kathy family went out and they're privately owned, they're not publicly held stock. 
Why in the world they went out and put their $6 billion company in the hands of these people, I will never know. But anyway, I just wanted you to know what I know about that. Thank you for your letters. I read them. I do. Your notes, even your scribbling. Sometimes people will say, I apologize for my writing. Usually the people that say that haven't seen my handwriting. I understand. Anyway, this one is type, but it says, Dear Gary, I cannot adequately convey my gratefulness to God for raising up your program of straight talk. I learn from you things I rarely hear or read elsewhere. I praise God for you and your diligence in preparing and for your courage in speaking. May God bring great blessing to you and your family. May he rebuke all spiritual opposition and continue to give you boldness. May he offer physical and spiritual protection over your family. I have no doubt that your recent technical issues, this was written, we were having some horrible technical issues here, I think it was a week or so ago, and this was written at that time, obviously, and I got it a couple of days ago, a few days ago, and um, it says, I have no doubt that your recent technical issues involve, at least in part, spiritual warfare. Well, I I can underscore that. I believe that as well. I Of all the things that we've done over the years in ministry as a pastor, a youth pastor, a, a music pastor for some years when I was younger, um, very young, um, all of it, the years on television, 12 years, I was on daily television with a talk show, Christian talk show that was highly rated in um, competing against secular network TV. And... Um, we had guests like Jim Dobson and Chuck Swindoll and Charles Colson, the late Charles Colson, all these people that were well-known in the Christian community and other people who had a great story to tell of God's goodness and graciousness and so on. It was highly rated, and it was, it was unique because it was produced by CBS affiliate. And so, and, and it was, um, it was on, I don't know how, I can't remember how many stations, a lot of them around the country. Mostly CBS affiliates. Some were ABC or NBC, but most of them were CBS. But anyway, I never felt, I mean, I've always been sensitive as a Christian, as a pastor, and as a, a in some role of leadership. I've always been sensitive to spiritual warfare, and I know what Satan is up to. He tries to kill and steal and destroy. I mean, Jesus taught us that, and the Bible is very clear on his agenda. The Bible's also clear that he has limited power. We are not living in a world where there is competing equal forces of good and evil, as fiction would have us to believe, but Satan does have persuasive power, and he does seek to kill and destroy and so on, and we're very aware of that. And I have never felt, and this probably program doesn't have the reach that the TV show did for sure, but I've never felt more of a, just a resistance, I mean, in my spirit on this program. And yet, as I've said so often, very honestly and very openly, I feel so strongly led to do this. And I, so that's, he's true, and this is very, very perceptive. It is having to do with spiritual warfare. I'm sure of that. And I know there's people that, go to the extreme on spiritual warfare and they, you know, everything that happens is spiritual. But we have to be careful with things and be sensitive to the spirit of God within us. But 
there is that factor. And yes, we do feel that. And thank you for observing that. The letter goes on. It says, thanks for sharing the gospel. I pray your truths reach more than just those who already love our wonderful Savior. Well, they do, because I hear from people. Some of them are angry and they're resisting and threatening and so on. And others are saying, now, what's this about new life? You know, in Christ, what do you mean born again kind of stuff? So, yeah, we are reaching people that aren't Christians. The letter says, I pray that believers will humble themselves fervently, passionately seek God's face and turn from our own wicked ways that God will hear our prayers, forgive our national and personal sins and heal our land. That is, this is America's only hope. I could not agree more. That is America's only hope. Enclosed is my check. Support for your radio program. We get those kinds of notes. That one happened to be typed, but many of them are just handwritten. I'm not suggesting that everybody should write a note. I'm just saying thank you for your support. I mean that in beyond the words that I can think of to describe it. Thank you from my heart. Our address is Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Interesting thing happened in Iowa over the weekend. I'll just mention it in passing. This uh, Democrat, she's in a swing district. She's a freshman. She just got elected last election. She was meeting with some of her constituents in Iowa on Saturday. The first question they ask her, her name is uh, Representative Cindy, it's A-X-N-E, Axne? I don't know how to pronounce that. But anyway, what matters is what was said. And this person, her one of her constituents in this Mount Air, Iowa, First question they asked, they said, did you vote for the impeachment inquiry against President Trump? Here's the deal. She's a Democrat. She got elected there probably by acting really conservative, and maybe she tends that way. I don't know why she would be in the Democratic Party, though, if she's conservative. But anyway, the first question out of the shoot with her constituents was, did she vote for it? So she says, well, yes, I was one of the 230 Democrats that voted for the resolution, but I want you to know that I was not elected to impeach President Trump. Well, why did she vote for it then? I think this is significant, and I think that's going to be happening. The news isn't going to cover that extensively. In fact, the news service that even published that story is not your major secular news uh, organization. I found that elsewhere. But it, it's it's uh, it's correct, and it, it happened. But we're not going to hear this stuff in the news. But I think these people that are in marginal states or districts around the country, and they got elected as Democrats kind of talking real conservative, I don't think that's going to work for them next time around. There's a whole shift taking place in the country, and I may get into that a little more tomorrow, but there is a shift taking place, and I think I think there's just a lot of surprises over the next few months. I don't know. We'll see. There's a pair of recent polls that show 34%. It's out there this morning. They were taken just over the last two or three days, Friday, Saturday. I mean, it reported Friday and Saturday. But a pair of recent polls show that 34% of black likely voters, not just blacks in general, but the ones who have been voting, likely voters approve of President Donald Trump's presidency. The headline I read was, this is a stunning development. Well, it would be, because the Democrats have owned the black vote, or thought they did, for decades, 
and they've tried to keep them on welfare. And I'm, I mean, I'm not black and I don't experience this, but black guys are saying this on television all the time when they're given an opportunity to talk. Not all of them are, but a lot of them are. So this is a stunning development if you haven't been paying attention. But if you've been watching what's happening, there are a lot of blacks that are saying, wait a minute, we got off the plantation and the Democrats are trying to keep us on the plantation and we want to be free. We don't want to be pampered and helped and welfared off out here on the back 40. I mean, that's what they're saying. And I agree with them. Praise God. They, I mean, they need to rise up and take advantage of the opportunities and live their life and do this. And they're... They're getting this part, and they're starting to break with the Democratic Party. This is enormous, because if 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 34% of likely black voters don't vo- vote for a Democrat, boy, that's gonna. I mean, that's seismic. So Rasmussen poll released Friday showed black likely voter approval of Donald Trump 34%, and Emerson poll released on Friday. Totally different company showed 34.5% approval. Same demographic. One um, author who is a conservative black has written some books and uh, she she wrote on her Twitter account, boom, just B-O-O-M. And that's all she said. And later she came back and she said, this is becoming the Democrats' worst nightmare. Well, nightmares happen in politics and in life. Tim Iman <laughs> Tim Iman is known. I know there's people listening to this program elsewhere, even a few in other countries. I hear from you, Sweden and elsewhere. But Tim Iman is well known in Washington State. I got, I got to talk to you a little bit about him this morning. I've known him for some time, but not well, but I know him. I've talked to him, been around him a lot just because of what he does and our paths have crossed and so on. But anyway, Tim Iman is known for getting attention. I mean, he, he does that. And if you know him, I mean, he's showing up at press conferences in, you know, Superman suits and all kinds of things to get attention. And he does get attention. And he gets a lot of statewide initiatives passed. And a lot of them have been batted down by the left who don't like him and don't like what he's doing. Well, he certainly got attention on Friday. Did you see that in the news or hear it if you live in the Northwest or in Washington State? He announced he's running against Governor Jay Inslee for governor. When I first saw that, I got to be honest with you, I looked at the headline and I thought, yeah, sure he is. I mean, I'm not saying, I mean, he'll run a little bit and then he'll decide not. I mean, that was my thought. But a shockwave rippled across Seattle following his announcement, I can tell you for sure. And the rest of the state, I think, was probably smiling, like me. I was just smiling. And I said, boy, this is interesting. Where he made his announcement was even more interesting. You know about it, again, if you live in Washington State or around Washington State, you know about Initiative 976. That reduces the car license tabs, the license plate tabs, to 30 bucks. That's going to cost the state $1,922,643,101 over the next six years, according to their accounting offices. It's going to, according to the same offices, it's going to cost local governments up to $2,300,000. 
$317,121,034. I'm sure they have inflated those numbers to the highest degree they could, but let's just say it's going to cost the state a bunch of money. And they don't manage money very well. They're always out of money. It doesn't matter how much revenue they take in. So I'm in proposed this I-976 on the recent ballot. It was designed to reduce out-of-control fees on car license tab just to a flat fee of 30 bucks. Seattle believed that they could handle it and defeat it with the city's numbers of voters. Massive numbers of people in Seattle versus the rest of the state or the Puget Sound area. But it didn't happen. The state said no. <laughs> they said no to Seattle. They said no to the power structure in the state. And they passed the initiative with a 53% vote. Tim Iman has been a fixture in Washington State, as I said, for a couple of decades, sponsoring, passing a number of initiatives. All of them were um, geared toward this kind of thing, taxes, reining in government spending, and so on. In fact, he's known by the press. I don't think they mean this as a complimentary term. I think they mean it more pejorative, but they call him the anti-tax activist. Well, anyway, over the years, as I said, I've known Tim. We've crossed paths and... He's become a major thorn in the side of the political far left that controls Seattle. Many of his initiatives have passed only to be knocked down by the far left. The forces in Seattle or the close-in Puget Sound political crescent, as some call it. Well, immediately following the passage of this I-976, Seattle Mayor Durkin, she announced that the city is filing a lawsuit to block the initiative, which would reverse the vote of the people. Governor Jay Inslee, who decided he won't be the next president of the United States, he got out of that here recently. He was running for president. He had a 1% or, I don't know, 0.5% support or so. It was nothing, really. And anyway, he immediately announced that he will support the lawsuit and help Seattle fill in the gaps. I guess that means he'll take state money and send it over to the... to the mayor's office to fill in the gap. I mean, that's with state funds. I mean, that's what he's saying. In her announcement, Cairo Radio reported that she said, we're doing this lawsuit because we want to uphold the will of the Seattle voters. So in other words, it doesn't matter what the state, in her mind, it doesn't matter what the state decides to do. We're going to knock this thing down and all you people can just get over it because Seattle is what really counts in this state and the rest of you don't count. Now, I know we have Seattle listeners now, and there are many wonderful people in Seattle. Some of them are my relatives. But I will tell you, well, they live on the edge of Seattle. They've migrated in recent years a little ways down the street. But there's wonderful people. Many of them support have supported this ministry. And I understand there's listeners in Seattle. I get that. But I got to tell you, you know the town, you know how it's changed over the years. In a rare departure from his best friend forever with his far-left cohorts, State Attorney General Bob Ferguson, he told the press, he said, I'm going to have to defend the passage of this initiative. Now, he may have changed his mind, but that was a few days ago, but I read his, his statement. But he's required to do that as state AG. It isn't as though he's saying, well, I think they have a point here. I mean, they have a right to vote. He's not really saying that. He's just saying, I'll defend, uh, you know, the passage of this initiative because he has to do it with his job. I wonder if he'll 
defend the will of the people with whom he, I'm sure, disagrees as vigorously as he's tried to prosecute Baronel Stutzman, the florist in Richland who declined to use her talents to celebrate a so-called same-sex marriage. We'll see. We'll keep an eye on Bob. But anyway, Tim made his announcement at the Sound Transit Board meeting, which they stand to lose a lot of money through this tax reduction initiative. He was in there on Thursday. He began his remarks to the Transit Board, who will, like I said, experience a significant loss of money, by defending and explaining the initiative, telling them, you lost. (laughs) They did. He then began to announce that he was running for governor against Governor Inslee, who, having abandoned his presidential ambitions, will be seeking a third term. It blew their minds. They weren't expecting anything like that in this uh, transit meeting. Iman said before his mic was turned, they just shut the mic off on him. He said, I'm running for governor in 2020. I think people are just sick and tired of Seattle making every decision when it comes to public policy. We have a Seattle Town a sound transit board, a Seattle-run legislator, a Seattle-run governor, decisions all being made out of Seattle. Seattle PI reported that that uh, Iman posted on Facebook that current Governor Jay Inslee runs a Seattle-centric administration. In a later updated version of this story, the Seattle Times noted that Iman had also posted on social media, I want to be governor for everyone who's sick and tired of this stuff. He didn't say stuff, but I said stuff. The Times also noted that Iman had several personal legal challenges that went into great length, and he has had a number of them. He's had a failure in his family. I mean, that's all out there. I'm not advocating anything, but I want you to be informed because this speaks to a much greater issue. The the takeaway from all this, the press will begin to suppress this story because they don't want to take a chance on another 53% that voted for his initiative No, that could never happen, right? There are other good people, and I'll mention them in a moment, running for governor that you may not have heard of. Now, will Iman actually file to run for government? Well, he said on Friday that he's going to do, he told Cairo TV, he's going to file on Monday. That's today. We'll see. Cairo itself said they were skeptical at first, but they're now convinced he's serious. So more and more, especially on the Northeast Coast and the West Coast, we find these big cities like Seattle, Portland, San Francisco, L.A., Boston, Philadelphia, others, New York on the East Coast. The city runs the state as far as the the political process. What the city decides because of the numbers, that's why our founders, they foresaw this, and that's why they created an electoral college so that it would be more evenly, the power of the people would be more evenly distributed. And this is what's happened. The cities have become accustomed to deciding on all statewide issues for the state. And that does not represent the state necessarily. So this is what we're seeing, and this is why I talked about this this morning, because people are beginning to get sick and tired of it. What we have learned from this, if it is the right issue... There are enough people to overturn a far-left city government in any major city if the state will get behind something or someone. It's happening in other states. There's going to be a fallout from this, and I think it's going to be very interesting and very constructive. And it's not only happening in Washington. The Bible is very clear in instructing us to vote, to be involved, 
That is a responsibility. Scripture's clear. I don't have time to go into it today. But trust me, it is. And if you read and study, and you know it is. Romans chapter 13 and elsewhere. Well, thanks for being with me today. I'll see you tomorrow.